Good morning. Uh, this is wonderful. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. That would be the person really, the, specifically the person sitting in, you know, the person sitting in your seat. If the Bible is not practical, then it's just theoretical and not therefore helpful. Is it wrong? What do you think? Particularly on this side, what do you think? And especially on this side. The sheep and the other sheep. Is it wrong? And does the Bible have anything to say about being, you know, Sandy Holder, great godly lady, friend of my wife's for a long, long time, 40 years or something. She said, she told us one time when, when herself and her sister and her brother, her brother was about as big as uh, that communion table. He carried a lot of weight in the brotherhood. And uh, when they would get angry, their mother would make, the, can you imagine this, girls, ladies, you, you know, can you imagine them standing in a circle holding hands because they're angry at each other and they would sing angry words. Angry words. <laughs> Love one another. Is it wrong? What do you think? Especially in the middle sector, that's where the church is sitting, right there. We're thankful for you. God loves you. Is it wrong to be angry? This would mean yes. This would mean no. This would mean who knows. How long has it been since you were angry? Driving here? Getting bad news? Disagreement? Something wrong at the bank? Your car got 17 flat tires at once? How long has it been? Is it wrong to be angry? There are only four basic emotions. I'm a counselor. I've been a counselor for 145 years. Aaron says, family and relational counselor. Imagine that. There's only four basic emotions. Dr. Lynn McMillan taught us that. Sad, mad, glad, and fear. You got it? Sad, mad, easy to remember. I mean, even a guy going, heading to, off to preaching school pretty soon, he could remember that, better can. Sad, mad, glad, and fear. Now, where do those come from? Did those just grow up with green beans? Where did those come? They come from God. And they're all okay. I don't want to fight with God and argue with God and debate with God and say, well, you shouldn't have given me that one called sad. Or I don't want to say to the Lord, you know, would you like to rethink giving me mad? You know? Sad, mad, glad, and fear. Today we're going to focus on angry. So easy to see how much anger there is across this country, right? Crimes of passion, hate crimes, 
Every day, someone's shooting someone else. In our family, we called it Who Bops Who. I mean, those shows are all the time. And if you don't like that show, you've got 14 other channels, you can find a worse Who Bopped Who. And this news channel is the best channel because they're the first to bring you the bad news. Hello? By the way, I forgot to say, God loves you and I love you, and that's just the way it's going to be. Was God ever, ang ever angry? Don't answer the question too quickly. It might be a trick thought question. Was God ever, ang ever angry? Of course he were, was. You remember Moses? I'm not saying you knew him. The only one that really knew him personally alive was Aaron. You know, I didn't know. I came along a little bit later. I love your brother, sort of, you know. <laughs> Occasionally. I remember one time we were friendly. And Moses said, you know, Lord, I'm not too good of a public speaker. You might want to get my brother named Aaron. He could do a much better job approaching in the verbal format of this captain of the world at the time, Pharaoh. And Exodus chapter 7 and verse 4 says that the anger of the Lord burned against. The anger of the Lord burned against our good man Moses. Psalm 7 and 6, I believe it is. <clears throat> the psalmist David, who was often overcome by sad, mad, and occasionally glad, and fear. And those who were bad people terrorizing him, trying to kill him. David said, O oh Lord, arise in your anger. Take care of it. One of my favorite passages in Psalm 78 about raising children. Let's take a look at it. Psalm 78, beginning in verse 1 or so. About fathers forefathers, grandfathers, taking care of their children. Some of them might have become college students, you know, playing volleyball or something. And the psalmist who wrote this, Psalm, let's go to Psalm 78 and 21. Therefore the Lord heard and was full of wrath, and a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also mounted against Israel. Verse 30, no, verse 30, verse 38, the anger of the Lord. Over the page in my Bible, verse 49, he sent upon them his burning anger. Fury and indignation and trouble, a band of restoring angels. He leveled a path for his anger. God was also very commonly anger, the, uh, uh, angry. Verse 59, when God heard, he was filled with wrath, which means anger. Chapter 79, in verse 5, O Lord, wilt thou be angry forever? God was often angry. A lot of people in counseling believe and feel guilt because they're angry and they say, oh, well, I know it shouldn't be, but. You know, how often times have you heard this? I'm sure we've never said this, but that makes me so mad. Or he or she just makes me mad. 
few illustrations from the counseling, counseling years. A preacher who is 58 years old, he's been now a client of mine, good man, godly man, lives in another state a long way away. He said, Brother Maples, I love the Lord. I believe in preaching the word. That is what I do. He said, but there's one thing that just tricks me up, and that's what he called me about. He said, I cannot overcome my anger. I said, well, just tell me about it on the phone. Tell me about that. He said, well, I was never angry until I went to the military. And he said, that sergeant that just got in my face and just drilled, and I couldn't say a word. I just had to stuff it down and just say, yes, sir, no, sir, or be quiet. Pressure with anger. He said, sometimes it gets, he said, I feel divided because here I'm preaching, and yet I'm filled with anger. And when I get to these kind of passages, I just don't know what to do about it. And I just go over them quickly. I told this morning Bible class this story. A couple came. He was a pastor in the generic sense of religious world. Their son, named Parker, drowned. The younger son and the dad pulled Parker out of the uh, swimming pool, did CPR, tried to save him, couldn't save him. They sat on our couch this last Thursday. They have three other children. This pastor had to resign. He couldn't take it. He had preached 28 years. Couldn't take it anymore because anger. He's angry at God. Probably if you boil it down, you're being angry at God. You see, anger comes in stages. It can be sudden. Why did he pull out in front of me in the road? Or deep anger into the unconscious mind that God puts and constitutes all of us. So often it starts in the impressionable years of a child and it can sit there. Or we can function and we can smile and go about our life and manage, so to speak. But anger has to come out. Thoughts do not have to come out. You can have a thought, but you don't necessarily have to share it. But when you get the emotion of anger, eventually it comes out. It's sort of like Coca-Cola. Have you ever heard of that, that thing, Coca-Cola? You know? You can shake it up and don't take the top off, and it's just gradually, it's just gradually ever so incrementally escaping. Or sometimes it just sits there latent forever until something triggers it. And it explodes out like taking the top off of the Coca-Cola. Anger is a scary thing. It can control us. It can consume us. It can overwhelm us. Two Christian ladies, both my age. One I saw for the first time last week. She is so angry at some behavior of elders in a church a long time ago, like 30 years ago, she said, I don't even know what my relationship to God is right now. She brought her Bible. It was marked up as much as mine was. Anger, church, can grab, we'll see in a minute, can grab you, can control you, it can hurt you. 
It can make hard feelings. It can cause us to say things and do things that we certainly shouldn't. The other lady, her husband died one year and one week ago when she called me last week. She said, I've heard of your name. Some, some, one of our congregations here in the valley, I don't know, referred me to you. I've been contemplating it for a while. I couldn't wait any longer to call you, you know? My husband dies. Our children are arguing. They're so emotional. It's just a big scramble. Anger is controlling our life. Can you help me, please? These are godly people. Long-time servants, Bible believers, church attenders, where anger has seeped in. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. God gives us a way to deal with this. He does, but he doesn't give it in every passage. Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin looking at, please, verse... Twenty-six. Four twenty-six. Be angry. Brother Paul, are you sure you got that right? Did inspiration read are you sure? Be angry. Four points. Number one, be angry. How do you do that? According to this scripture, do not sin. Is it possible, church, men, is it possible to be angry and not sin? Is it possible to be angry and to sin? Be angry, and then he tells us three ways we should avoid. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. You ever gone to sleep mad or tried to? You keep rethinking what that discussion was? I wish I hadn't said that. I've only done that about 900,000 times. I checked my records. Or I wish I had said that. Or why did he say that? Or why did she say that? Or why did my kids say that? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, your anger. Do everything you can to take care of Take care of it as quickly as you can. Be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Even if you have to stay up all night, you make it right with someone you love. Scripture says if you come to the altar, present your sacrifice, and you remember there as you're going to take communion, if you remember that you have something against another person, another brother or sister, you before you even take communion, is thy heart right with God? Angry words, let them never. You do everything that you can to make it right. But Romans 12 and verse 18 deals with it. What, what do you do when the other person just doesn't want to be peaceful? Romans 12 and 18 says, Inasmuch as it lies within you, as, as much as you can do, as much as you've prayed, as much as you've cried, 
as much as you've gone wrong and off the rails, but as much as you can, you make it right. You be at peace with all men and probably includes woe men as well. Inasmuch, you can't be friendly with everyone. You can't be at peace with everyone. Huh. Hello, Aaron. You can't be at peace with it. By the way, he owes me so many hamburgers that he just doesn't want to even see me coming anymore. He doesn't call me anymore. I cry. He'll do it. Where's Aaron? No. And as much as it lies within you, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. And I have a responsibility to do what I can to be at peace with all men, particularly those who are in the Lord's family and particularly to those who are in your family at home. So be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then it says, don't give a place for the devil. You know how, how, how smart that boy is? How persistent he is? How conniving he is? I mean, he was called the serpent. I grew up in Africa. Lots of serpents, spitting cobras, mambas. My mother killed 11 mambas in our front yard one morning with a, with a rake. It's hard to catch a snake because they can get in a the corner. They can get where you think they can. And that devil, he's just, he's just spitting venom of anger. If he can just get ang you in anger and turmoil, he's one. He doesn't need to spend any more time with you. He's going to go to another family member. And he's going to work out there. Be angry. That's what the book says. Men, are you listening? This preacher who's 58, he said, that's just the way I am. Well, it's the way you are right now, maybe. But that's what we're going to work on. The Lord can help you with that. Women, you know, women ponder things a lot of the times. They think about, I know that. You know, been married 151 years. And, I'm sorry, 51 years. Two daughters. Our twins are 48 now. Wow. Five grandsons. All wonderful. All in the Lord's church. All spiritually minded. Thank you, Lord. But sometimes an angry word, book says, can tear a person apart. You reckon anger could keep a person out of hell, uh, out of heaven? Sure it can. I'd like to go to a practical scripture now. First Peter, we're going to spend time on this, a practical way to deal with anger. If anger comes as a possibility from the Lord, mad, sad, mad, glad, or fear, how do we deal with it? You see, Ephesians 4 doesn't tell us how to do it. It says, do not sin. How do we do that? It says, don't let the, don't let the sun go down on your anger. How do we take care of that? It gives us the theory, it gives the information, but it doesn't tell us the practical application of it. And if we just have inspiration without application, all we have is frustration and stagnation. By the way, did I say God loves you? And I do too. 1 Peter chapter 5. And there's some stark statements, therefore. Beginning in verse 6, 1 Peter 5 and 6. Humble yourselves, therefore. Humble yourselves. 
under the mighty hand of God, the powerful hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Oh, Lord, I can't. You can. So maybe a husband or maybe a grandfather, maybe a teenager says, realizes, I can't take care of this myself. I need you and I need someone who's got experience in education to help me through this, to help me humble myself, to acknowledge and to admit I cannot take care of this myself. That's what that preacher said. I see him, I'll talk to him on the phone again this coming week. But verse 7. Casting all your anxiety, or you can put in their anger. Cast, which means place somewhere else. Hand it off. Cast all your anxiety, all of your fear, all of your anger upon him because he cares for you. Ladies, the Apostle Peter is writing this with your name on it. Cast all, not just a little bit, cast all your anger on him because he cares for you. Next verse. Be of sober spirit. Think clearly. Think biblically. Be of sober spirit. And be on the alert. Watch out for this. What? Your enemy, your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I have had a lot of episodes in the too close and uncomfortable situation in person, day and night, with African lions. Right there. And they prowl, and they're seeking somewhere to devour. I've seen them chew up a leopard. You can hear the leopard, uh, the, the, uh, they always fight leopards, but I've seen them uh, have a fight with a baboon. And that baboon, as the blood is going from its neck, still screeching, but you can hear the bones crunching. One night, <clears throat> lots of lion stories. Lots of lion stories. One night in a tent. The tent right next to us. I was just a little boy then. Little boy, it was hot. Dropped his arm on the, uh, off of the, off of the uh, what do you call it? Off the little cot. That's the word I was thinking about. Thank you. Next to the tent flap, lion got him under there, dragged him out. Instantly, his arm was gone by the time his parents woke up. The rangers checked, found that that line shot him, found the arm. Your enemy, the devil, is a roaring lion. Not just like a lion, it says is. Your, your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. Seeking some parent, some teenager, some preacher, some grandparent, some young man, some body to devour. A lion doesn't come up when it's hungry and say, oh, you have, any, you have a snack for me? You are the meal. So many stories I've seen like that. One night I asked 
the ranger on a night drive, I said, Bar is die Lu. Where is the lion? We didn't hear anything, it was quiet. A little bit later, he turned the Land Rover off, listening for the lion. We heard one in the distance. Here's what happens. You hear, you sort of protected, all protected by a sheet and a tent. And you hear him start roaring in a distance, so you feel pretty good. But you just be sure you just you just uh, be sure that you have the protection of that <laughs> sheet. And then it goes quiet. I'm telling. I know how they tell. Then it gets really quiet, and you haven't gone to sleep. And then a little bit later, you hear the lion roar, and it's louder, which you know it's closer. Then you hear another one. He's either looking for a girlfriend or his buddy because they are on the prowl. And you get that sheet and you pull it up a little bit tighter because you're going to have some artillery in the form of that thin sheet to protect you. And then you might hear nothing for a while and then you hear Paul's steps around your little tent. He's seeking someone to devour. So what is the explanation? Here's where we're going to get practical, church. Cast your care. Cast your care on him. Because he cares for you. Just imagine that you're home one night and you're still boiling of something that's festering inside. And there's a knock at the door, and you go to the door, and you open the door, and it's Jesus Christ. Can I come in? <laughs> well, I don't think so. I went to church Sunday morning. And you let him in, and you go sit down, and he sits right next to you. And of course, he's known forever what's going on in your heart. And he says, I know. And he says, can you, can you imagine that burden is like weights on your shoulder? Can you, that's what the verse is. Can you take your burden off of your shoulders and put it on my shoulders. Lord, you mean I know I've got a burden, a problem with anger. Do you really take it from your shoulders? and cast it, replace it, hand it off, and put it on my shoulders. He said, I've already carried your main burden on the cross. So let's try this episode now. But the text says, cast all, 
Lord, I don't know if I can lift a thousand pounds. And Jesus looks at you and said, I know. Could you lift, could you begin with 10 pounds? Ten pounds? Well, Lord, I, I, I think I could lift 10 pounds. That'd be a start, wouldn't it? It'd be a good start, wouldn't it? Jesus says, I think you're getting the message. Cast all, it doesn't have to be all in one moment. We don't do that. Anger is a continual thing so many times for us. So he says, that's what I'm here for. I'm not only knocking on your door, I'm giving you a hug and I want to help. So can you just take today? Ten pounds and give it to me. There's a key also there's another key word here. All your anxiety. It's easy to say, well, that's good for the church. They need to do that. And certainly the United States needs to do that. In Washington, D.C., people need to do that. My uncle needs to do that. But that's not what it says. It says yours. Your angry words, oh, let them never from the tongue unbridled slip. So what's your burden of anger today, church? If we didn't have it, he wouldn't, written, wouldn't have written it. Amen? And so in the big picture again, on the cross, you know what he's saying? Give it. Give it to me. This is for you. Probably we can all think of a time, recently or distantly, when anger had a control of us. And it might have escalated, deepened to the point that it's that roaring lion that is devouring us. Lord, are you sure? Today? Just 10 pounds? I think you're getting it. Your Savior whispers to you. God loves this church, and I love this church. But I don't love this church like he does. 
And that includes the very specific person, young or old, that's sitting in your seat. What's the invitation song? What's the name? We have an anchor that will anchor us against, against anger from a prowling, crouching, devouring lion. But give it to the Lion of Judah. Pass it to him because he is stronger than any devil. You might have something to share today. You might just want to say, please pray for me. You might have a specific something. You might not even, yeah, I just pray for me. I just want to pray with the church. That would be a beautiful thing, wouldn't it? Shall we stand and sing, please?